Hello everyone, this is Bola, founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. So the last episode of the podcast was all about career, and this particular episode ties in in the sense that we're going to focus on negotiating, and negotiating is key to success in your life, in your career, with your finances, because this is how you get what you want, this is how you get what you deserve. And so my guest today is Devon Smiley. She is a negotiation consultant for entrepreneurs, startups, and professionals who are sick of settling and ready to go after what they want, need, and deserve. And if you are listening to this, this episode applies to everyone. Whether you're an employee or a professional or an entrepreneur, you can get some really awesome tips from Devon on this episode as you negotiate in your day-to-day life. Devon has distilled nearly 15 years and $5 billion worth of negotiation experience into accessible and actionable guidance that helps people build the skill set they need to make the ask with confidence. Her expert advice has been featured in the New York Times, Glamour Magazine, the Chicago Tribune, and has helped clients including Mars Chocolate and Rolls Royce. She is a strong believer that negotiation isn't just about boosting bottom lines, and she works with pro bono partners like the UN and the Clinton Foundation to push her mission. And on this episode, uh, Devon breaks down the biggest mistakes women make when it comes to negotiating and advocating for themselves as entrepreneurs and employees. She talks about how to negotiate through difficult situations because sometimes it's hard to have a negotiation conversation. She also shares specific steps you can take to begin mass mastering negotiations. And she also shares her top money tip for entrepreneurs. And this particular tip changed her life. But before we get into the episode, head over to Clever Girl Finance, check out our blog, check out our amazing resources, take a course, join our community. We're launching new courses on personal finance from foundational course content to life-related course content every single month. And our community is awesome. They are supporting and motivating each other as they work on making progress with improving their finances. Also, if you are a new listener, hey, and you are yet to subscribe to this podcast, please do. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and you can watch videos and listen to episodes on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance. Now, let's get into this episode with Devon and talk negotiation. Welcome to the podcast, Devon. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here today. Excited to have you on to talk about all things negotiations and why it matters. <laughs> but before we dive in, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about you and what is your personal story? Well, my personal story, oddly enough, I didn't grow up as a little girl wanting to be a negotiation consultant. <laughs> <laughs> that did not make the top list. <laughs> I think. I thought I'd end up a ballet dancer working in some very fashionable artsy field, but uh, I fell into negotiation by accident over the course of my corporate career. I spent 10 years working in the aerospace industry Mm -hmm. and I thought negotiation would be the most boring job in the world, but it was sort of a step on the ladder. And then I got to that step and absolutely fell in love with it. (laughs) So after doing that for 10 years, I decided, you know what? Small business owners, startups, normal everyday people, they need to have these skills as well. It was time to take my show out on the road independently. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So how did you become so passionate about negotiations? What made you say, this is what I want to do? Because you've done, um, you have about 15 years of experience. You've 
you have $5 billion of negotiation experience. <laughs> well, <laughs> what made you want to get into the space where you're helping entrepreneurs and startups and professionals um, with negotiations? <laughs> yeah. Well, there were, there were a few key turning points. I fell in love with it because I realized it wasn't just about wheeling and dealing and, you know, sort of beating up the other people at the table to get what you needed. It was about building relationships and finding really intelligent ways of communicating with people Mm -hmm. to influence them and bring them on board. I didn't have to become a total meanie and bang my fist on the table. And then I decided that I really wanted to bring this to people outside that corporate sphere because in my role, I'd started doing more mentoring and coaching of junior employees who were going into their very first negotiation and they were so scared. You see it in their faces. They really didn't want to be doing this. It was almost like looking in a mirror at my younger self. And I would spend an hour, 90 minutes with them, getting them prepared, giving them the strategy. And by the time we left our time together, they just like their shoulders were back, their eyes were bright. Like, I can do this. I can do this. Yeah, it's going to be okay. (laughs) I thought if I can get more people to feel that bit of a spark for asking for what they need, then that would be a great thing to spend my days doing. That's awesome. And so negotiation, like you said, is, you know, the junior employees would feel like scared and intimidated. And yeah. it's something that I think that people just, you know, employees, entrepreneurs face. And so what are some of the biggest mistakes? I guess I'll split it into two categories. Um, people who are working, um, employed, what are some of the biggest mistakes that they make? And then from an entrepreneurship perspective, what are some of the biggest mistakes that, um, they make when it comes to negotiating and advocating for themselves? That's good. I like the split there because it is, you know, we're all the same, but we're all different. Um, In corporate, I see the mistake a lot of people make is they treat negotiation like it's a once a year event. It's sort of all, it's my performance review. They're like sort of, you know, like the horse is waiting at the starting line, like, come on, come on, the once a year discussion. And really, you're negotiating every single day in your work. And you may have once a year when you talk about your salary, but all your actions throughout the year, every time you ask to work on a project, every time you raise your hand in a meeting and share a great idea, those are all moments that are leading you to success in that one negotiation that everyone thinks of. So I think we get way too focused on that one hour of the year. (laughs) And we forget that we can be you know, flexing this muscle throughout the year to our own benefit. That's a really great point. It is true. Most people just like kind of wait until performance review and they wait until that end of year or they negotiate in the initial um, offer, you know, salary negotiation, benefits negotiation, negotiation, et cetera. But then like during the year, just like, oh yeah, I'm just going to do my work. But they're, they don't, I never really thought about it as negotiating every day. I mean, you're doing actions to make sure that you can get to that performance review, but I love the way that you shaped it as negotiating every day. Cause that's what you're doing. Everything you're setting, everything you're doing to set the stage for your performance is negotiation. Um, And when you think about it that way, it also helps you start being more strategic about, okay, if this, if every day is a negotiation, what should I be doing? How should I be, placing my chess pieces to make sure that I can mm-hmm. get to that end goal I'm working towards. So that's a really awesome point. I love it. Love it. <laughs> we all need to, we need to drive our own careers. So <laughs> come up with what your plan is, set your strategy and then execute, execute, execute. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So for, for corporate and then for entrepreneur, I think a big mistake a lot of entrepreneurs make is that they never ask because they're in the mode of just being so thankful that they are getting clients mm. that they don't want to rock the boat. And sometimes it's, they won't ask because they don't want to rock the boat about money or, you know, the client needs them to be on a three hour phone call at a super inconvenient time. They're like, Oh, it's okay. I'll rearrange every single other thing in my life because <laughs> I don't want to mention that this is like a bad time. And like, I have three sick children and two sick dogs. <laughs> <laughs> we can actually speak up if there's something that isn't working for us. Um, we don't always have to be um, deferring to a client. We we can actually control our own businesses, which is which is one of those novel concepts. Considering that we become entrepreneurs, but like yes, if something isn't working, you can ask to change it. And more entrepreneurs need to be doing that. So let me ask you this: one of the common um, comments I hear people talking about as entrepreneurs or sometimes even people ask me advice for advice on this is around you started a business right and Mm -hmm. maybe your first few clients or your friends or you at the beginning of starting your business you hadn't quite figured out your business model or you were just Mm -hmm. undercharging which a lot of women do when they start businesses they start by undercharging it's like so common it's crazy and you get to this point where you're like okay um I recognize I'm undercharging and I'm going to start charging what I feel like my product, my service is worth, what I'm worth, what my time is worth, et cetera. And what happens very commonly is that their clients be like, oh, I don't want to pay that. Can't you just give me a discount? But I'm one of your first clients. If I hadn't given you this opportunity, no, like I'm, I'm like your number one client. <laughs> you will be able to do this. Like, how do you, and it, you know, it's kind of like, how do you negotiate your way out of that? Like you can say, because a lot of times it's not just saying no price has changed because you yeah. want to maintain the relationships. You want to be able to get the good reviews. You want to be able to like have everybody transition with this change with you. Right. So how yeah. do you manage that when people try to, how do you negotiate when people try to get you to do what you don't want to do? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, the tough cases. Well, I think one thing that really helps is, using it as an opportunity to maybe even shift the way you're working with clients. And I've had the chance to work with some great clients who were doing very much hourly services Mm -hmm. and they realized this wasn't working for them because income goes all over the place. They also wanted to raise their rates. So at the same time as raising the rates, the discussion with the client became, look, this is the work I've been doing for you for two years. I think it would be much smoother for the both of us in terms of budgeting and scheduling if we made this into a monthly retainer where I did all these magical things for you that you loved for me, but now we're changing the model and the price technically increased, but it was presented as a brand new way of working together rather than just trying to increase the price on the old way. So I find that can help break down the barrier because it it stops the client from just always thinking, no, but I paid less for this before. Mm -hmm, Exactly. That's true. But I also think it's important if you have a client that you aren't charging as much, but you really enjoy working with them, that you're fully within your rights to just grandfather that old price. And you don't feel forced to have to raise everyone's price or fire the client. 
you know, some people, they pay on time, they pay a little less, you really enjoy working with them, they're great for referrals. It's okay if they're paying you a little less, maybe you can make that decision. So I guess that means having some level of flexibility in your approach to negotiations, because, you know, it's all, I guess it's all a balance here, right? And that's the whole point Mm -hmm. of negotiation. So if you really love working with this client, and it's a good use of your time, and you gain value from it, then you can keep, you can decide to keep the prices in that instance. Um, But then if you've gotten to a point where you're like, okay, I need to raise my prices, then you kind of like, as opposed to saying here is a price change, you kind of push what the value is and why you've made the decision and be able to have the conversation that way. Exactly. And one of the most powerful things we can do is come up with alternatives for ourselves. So maybe that client will not accept a price increase, but if you've been filling your pipeline and you found two more clients who are signing up at the higher rate, you can let the older client go. And it doesn't become a big, you know, blemish on your bottom line for that quarter or that year. So uh, creating alternatives is very powerful as an entrepreneur. And, you know, like not every, I feel like it's it's important to say, to state that not every negotiation is going to have like a positive outcome, unfortunately. No, not gonna want <laughs> if to only. And I'm going to want to pay and you just have to be okay with that. Like you have to just, you know, cut your, cut your losses or celebrate your victory. Cause maybe that's not even someone you want to work with in the first place. Um, or you've been trying to figure out how to get rid of this client. <laughs> <laughs> and raising your rate to a million dollars an hour. Exactly. So, um, so I guess, so that's from a business perspective. So what about from an employee perspective where let's say, I want to, you know, I've worked really hard. My performance review reflects, or I know it's going to reflect that I've worked hard based on conversations I've been having with my boss frequently. Um, But, you know, I'm just not getting the raises I deserve, or I'm not getting the recognition or even the projects I deserve. Mm -hmm. How do you navigate that? Well, I think really there's two options. The first one is more finding the alternative. Uh, going out, starting the interview process, seeing if there is another employer that will be able to offer you the salary, the projects, the engagement, the support that you really are looking for. Um, Not to be afraid to start that process so that you get a better sense of what else is out there and what power you might have in being able to walk away. Um, Something that I do think is important when you are getting a lot of pushback or not getting the opportunities you need in the workplace is Digging a bit deeper on why, I think a lot of times we hear the no and our, our body instantly sort of shrinks because hearing no really stinks. And we kind of go, oh, okay then, thank you. And we back out of the office and scurry back to our desks. And instead asking, okay, but if I wanted to do this for next quarter, if I wanted to leave this project, what are the three things I could be working on before then? And starting to to ask the questions so that you can prepare yourself to get a yes later on. And part of that can be frustrating because, you know, how many more things do I need to accomplish? But maybe you do have some skills you could be developing and that would position you a lot better. Awesome. Awesome advice. Um, so you've kind of touched a little bit on, you know, like in the, in the couple scenarios that we talked about some things that, um, people can do regarding negotiating a business and negotiating in their careers. But for someone who's like, okay, I've never really tried to negotiate or I've never really thought about it um, either in my business or in my career. Um, 
what is like, if you were to give them like a step-by-step hair is hard to start getting comfortable with negotiation, kind of like, you know, what you observed with seeing like the brand new employees that kind of like shrink away, what would be like first things you want to keep in mind as you start to approach negotiation and just getting comfortable with it and being able to advocate for yourself and being able to have a diplomatic conversation without it becoming a fight or like people slamming fists on the table, et cetera, you know, because negotiation can lead to like, if you ever watch those, um, <laughs> if you ever watch those, uh, what's it called? Those action movies that they bring in the negotiator to save the hostages. Oh, exactly. Or you know, it's like, I, 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 I. There's no negotiating. This is what we do. Yeah. So how do we avoid? (laughs) Yes, we all always want to avoid those situations. Oh my goodness. Um, I think starting to build the skill um, to use in the workplace really begins outside of the workplace. And I always advocate for getting really good at spotting your opportunities to ask for something. Because people sort of go, yeah, yeah, I can ask for money. Okay, we, we need to stop thinking just about money. It's important, yes, broaden our, our horizons. It's anytime there's something in your life that makes things difficult, inefficient, or that you really don't enjoy, that's an opportunity to be asking. So, for example, for me, a small thing that I work on the courage to ask for that when I'm out and about and I go to a cafe and then there's I see there's a code on the bathroom door I will instinctually go oh no 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 I'm not gonna ask I'm just gonna hold it till I get home (laughs) I have to push myself go up to the counter ask the person for the code like get what you need in this situation and it's asking for small things like that Asking if you're in a rush at the grocery store and you need to, you know, you only have one item, ask if you can go ahead of the person. Excuse me, do you mind if I go in front of you? I only have this one item and I'm in a rush. And practicing on smaller, lower risk situations really helps build the confidence for when you get into the workplace. And you're like, no, okay, I've successfully navigated 14 other situations. <laughs> I've returned food that wasn't right. I ordered mayonnaise on the side. I got the code to the bathroom. I now have more confidence when I go to have a you know, higher risk, more, uh, more at stake business discussion. So that's definitely the first thing. Spot the opportunities, start making the small asks to get practicing. Awesome. Um- that is, and then, so practicing the small ass, and then what about from a confidence perspective? Like, I think, like, what are some things that you can tell yourself or you can remind yourself of before you <laughs> kind of get, because, and the reason why I ask is because some negotiation situations, especially if you don't have like your ally, you don't have like a lawyer or somebody mm-hmm. that's like more experienced going in with you, or you don't have that best friend walking into the meeting with you, um, even though you, you have the intent to practice all these things. The people on the other side of the negotiation can be super intimidating and they can make you like freeze up or like make you kind of like shrivel away from what you actually went in to pursue. Yeah. I think what's really helpful there is taking time to prepare a negotiation. Um, A lot of people sort of figure, oh, this is the field I work in. So of course I can just handle this. No, (laughs) take the time to prepare for all the alternatives that you think could come up, all the different variables they might discuss during the meeting, how they might respond to what you're asking for, really sort of walking yourself through it, the visualizations. You know, I'm a fan of 
spreadsheets and charts and color codings. That tends to be how I plan these. But other people are very visual and do sort of mind maps for where could this go, which means that once you're in the situation, you're less likely to be caught off guard. Your body will already sort of be like, oh, okay, I know this feeling. And to practice ways of handling the situation. So if someone's being really difficult, being able to ask to take a break, like getting yourself out of the situation, suggesting a 10 minute, you know, bio break for everyone in the meeting to give yourself the time to recuperate before you go back in. Awesome. That's really great advice. Um, yeah. I like the idea of like, you know, taking that minute. <laughs> yeah. Getting- I mean, I've, I've had, hundreds of millions of dollars of negotiations saved because we decided to take a 15 minute bio break. (laughs) And if we had just, if we had kept going the path we were going down, the deal would have fallen apart. But like everyone in the room, you know, someone had the courage to speak up and say, no, we need a little pause. And we were all able to get back into the room, back into the discussion and actually be productive. Mm, yeah I mean it's sometimes it's necessary and it's okay to say I want to take the break like I'll be right back or even if you say I have to run to the bathroom like yeah Yeah. and if someone gets really mad at you because you have to use the facilities I mean you have another like they have an issue (laughs) exactly (laughs) so um I'm going to shift gears a little bit because you are also an entrepreneur now that you're doing this full time. And I I want to talk about like, what are some of your money tips that have allowed you to, because you're negotiating on money, right? And so (laughs) sometimes (laughs) money, um, time, energy, boundaries all the time. (laughs) So what are some money tips that have helped you as an entrepreneur and what would be your number one money tip if you were to give this advice, which you're going to, to other entrepreneurs. Um, I think the really big thing for me, and it's affected both my business and my personal, is getting rid of debt. Because I think for a while, you know, especially starting my career, all of a sudden you need the new clothes and this and that and the other. And, you know, you want to go to dinner with your friends because now you're fancy, you have a real job. (laughs) And (laughs) there's the debt had accumulated. And the best thing I ever did was really tighten my belt both literally and figuratively (laughs) and pay off all my debt. And it's allowed me to make decisions in my personal life, in my business life with a lot more freedom because I don't have anything hanging over my head. I I feel like my own woman and that is very empowering. So it might be a little boring. (laughs) It's not like sexy money advice, but getting rid of debt has been major for me. That's, that's so key because, and it's something that we talk about all the time on the podcast, when you are able to get your debt under control, pay it off, um, you free up all this money and you just have less, one less compartment in your brain where you're wondering, um, struggling and figuring out paying off your debt. And you have one less category in your budget to deal, to have to deal with um, giving away money for something that in many cases you've already spent or (laughs) you've already had that steak and that wine. Exactly. And as an entrepreneur that, that removes, I mean, when you're working in a full-time job and you have a consistent income, you kind of are able to plan a consistent plan around paying off your debts, you know? So from a mental perspective, it's a little easier, but when you're an entrepreneur and you have an inconsistent income and your creditors are looking for their consistent payments, um, 
that can be extremely stressful because you don't have the guarantee of how you're going to make that payment because you're not sure if this invoice is going to come in, you're going to get these clients, et cetera. So it's really important for those of you who are entrepreneurs thinking about making transition or who have already made transition into like, you know, working full-time in your businesses, you definitely want to prioritize paying off your debt um, just to make managing your life and your brain space um, much easier. For sure. So Devin, what is your favorite book on negotiation? If you were to recommend a negotiating negotiation book to, to us, and I'll just give you full disclosure that when I think about negotiation books, I just, I have one book. It's so utterly boring. Oh my God. I won't tell you what it is. It's like somebody gave it to me and I tried to read it. It was just so, it was like, I just, it was the, yeah. Yeah. And that, that is, and oh my goodness, that's just so, so much one of the reasons why I do what I do is because people are like, okay, I need to learn about negotiation. So I'm going to go to the Harvard Business Review. And then like 30 seconds in, they've fallen asleep. <laughs> and they're confused. So a little bit they read, they're actually confused. Uh, no, it needs to be more accessible. I actually don't read negotiation books anymore. Because okay. I read, is there a negotiation I, resource then? <laughs> If, read, the, if the negotiation so many bad ones, is not it, reading it the book, me. then that's, you know, then that's a sign. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, well, I read a few and it was like, okay, this is someone's perspective. And I'm sure other people might enjoy that perspective. I, however, do not. Uh, moving on. Um, and I sort of have, I have two books I'd like to recommend. One is the book Captivate by Vanessa Van Edwards. And she deals with behavioral psychology. And it's how to connect with people how to influence them, not at all in a slimy way, but being able to figure out what makes other people tick, what makes you tick, and then how to work to both of those advantages. So Captivate is the first one. And then the second book, especially if people are struggling with finding the confidence and courage to ask to take action, is the book Hilda by a woman, Jenny Mustafa Juluk, who goes by Coach Jenny, much easier to spell. And Hilda is all about that inner voice inside of us that gets in our way, that tells us to sit down and be quiet, to not do what we need to be doing. And I love her approach because she's super funny. So at the same time as you're having these like horrible realizations of how much you've stood in your own way, (laughs) you can have a giggle. It lightens (laughs) the mood. There's no crying involved. So uh, definitely Captivate and Hilda would be my two books. That's awesome. And I'm going to put the details to them in the show notes um and before i let you go you have to tell me what is your super your clever girl superpower Ooh, (laughs) that's a good one um i think my superpower is being able to take really difficult or complicated things and turn them into something crystal clear and straightforward (laughs) You, you definitely have the tone of voice, like talking to you, you're just so calm and you're so clear and you're just so like, I can imagine you like being in a negotiation meeting and it's like high stress and you're just like, <laughs> well, this is exactly how this is going to work. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's when I You might I get be losing your in. mind over there, but I'm here to let you yeah. know. <laughs> all, all 17 other people in this room can be losing their mind, but I've heard what each of you has to say, and this is the consensus we have accidentally reached, but none of y'all have been listening to each other. <laughs> like that's, 
that has come up time and time again for me in my life. Um, so that, that has to be my superpower. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Devon. Uh, I'd love for you to share how folks can reach you and keep in touch with you. My online home is devonsmiley.com. And I spend most of my time on social media these days over on Instagram, where I am at Devin M. Smiley. Awesome. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, my pleasure. This has been fun. I can't wait to uh, get everyone negotiating. We need to hear their (laughs) stories, what they've started asking for. Yeah, so you guys have to let Devin know the progress that you make. (laughs) Thanks, Devin. My pleasure. So thank you guys so much for listening into this episode with Devon. I hope you guys got some nuggets that you can apply as you go about negotiating to get what you're worth and to get what you deserve. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and you can also listen to episodes and watch videos on the Clever Well Finance YouTube channel. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast on iTunes if you have loved the episode. I'll talk to you guys on the next episode and Thank you again so much for listening.